make sure you're using a number two pencil and that you fill in the entire bubble for your answer darkly and completely. If you change your response, erase it as completely as possible. Remember that you receive points for correct answers, but you don't lose points for incorrect answers. That means you should try to answer every question, even if you're not sure of the correct answer. If you remember hearing that, it's because that's the script all proctors read before students take the SAT. But soon, students won't be needing a number two pencil to take their SATs, because this week, the College Board, owners of the SAT, ACT, and AP exams, made a big announcement. Big changes are coming to the SAT. The College Board announcing yesterday the tests will go digital. That's starting in 2024. But what does that mean for students and the future of standardized testing and college admissions? Here to walk us through is NPR's higher education correspondent, Alyssa Natterney. Hi, Alyssa. Hey. So I'm trying to imagine the SATs without the Scantron. How does that even work? Well, the new test that they're designing is going to be taken on a tablet or a computer. It's going to be all online. So no more paper and pencil, as you said. Although if you do have an accommodation, you know, if you need special accommodations, they will still do paper. But essentially the new test is kind of like the GRE. Other tests have done this in the past. It's not like this is totally unknown, but it's going to be on the device, on the computer. They shortened it, so it's no longer three hours, it's two hours. And they changed around a few things, like you're going to be able to use a calculator for the entire math section, so that's new. And they shrunk down those long passages that you often read in paper, so they're much shorter now, the reading passages, and then questions will follow right away. And how much of this change from paper to online, from the longer test to the shorter test was driven by the pandemic? And, and how much was driven by sort of how we understand test taking and, and education? Yeah, I mean, it's mixed. I, there have long been chatter of putting a test online. I mean, we've seen this in other standardized tests before. I mentioned the GRE, but also state level exams. Some have gone from paper to, to digital before. So this is definitely had been talked about pre-pandemic. Of course, we all just lived through the pandemic. All our lives went onto the computer. Certainly, that's the truth for students. And so there's some acceleration that happened during the pandemic. Early in 2020, the College Board actually said that they were going to try this at-home test where you wouldn't have to go into a school or a test center. You could do it at home. And that was quickly kind of <laughs> nixed because we just don't have strong enough broadband access in America to be testing at home. And so this new digital test will still happen at testing centers and in high schools, as the paper test has. But with the rise of online schooling and online test taking, I imagine that cheating has become an issue that people are worried about. What actions is the College Board taking on that front? Well, they say this new digital exam will actually be better for that. I mean, because before you could take a physical test and that was it. Here, they say that actually the digital version has stronger security, so there will be fewer leaked exams. We'll see. I mean, they've just run a pilot in November. The digital test won't roll out until 23 for international students and 24 for, for U.S. students, but they say that this is more secure. And can you tell me a little bit more about how proctoring works? Is that going to be just the same as before with the human in the room, or is there going to be uh, online proctoring software being used? So the way that it's going to be set up is very similar to how it is run now. So it's going to happen at a school or at a test center. There will still be human proctors. 
One thing that's kind of interesting is they're going to allow students to use their own devices. So while you'll physically be in kind of contained space, you can use your own laptop or your own tablet. If you don't have one, you can use your school's devices. A lot of schools, especially during the pandemic, have gone, it's called one-to-one, where there is a device for every student in the school. So schools have laptops that students can borrow if they don't want to use their own. And the college board themselves has even said that if there are issues with the number of devices needed to take the test, that the college board would provide a computer or a device to take the exam. Gotcha. And and you did say that there was still going to be a paper version for those who couldn't take the test online for whatever reason. Yeah. And as it is now, you can apply for accommodations, whether that means you need more time or you have special needs. And so those will remain in place, but the majority of students will take the test online. So this isn't like maybe some students have the option. I mean, the majority of students are going to take it online in the U.S. starting in 2024, but there will be some accommodations still available. And this is probably a silly question, but what happens if like the tablet battery dies or, you know, the, the power goes out completely? Yeah. So this is something that happened during the AP exams, because remember, we for AP exams, for, for folks that don't know, are tests that high school students take that kind of cap off a course in high school. And you can use these to apply to college. They're run by the same company behind the SAT. And they had a lot of issues for that exact reason, power going out or even the Internet cuts out. Right. You know, if your Wi-Fi out of school is choppy. The new test, they say, is going to have an autosave feature so that if that happens, if your tablet loses power or if something goes crazy with the Wi-Fi, you won't lose any questions and you won't lose any time. It'll be able to like, start your exam as soon as you get reconnected or as soon as you connect that device to power. Going back to the test itself, uh, you, you explained how it's shorter. There are going to be shorter passages in the verbal section. People will be able to use calculators. But did they also streamline it just because people won't need as much time to fill in the little bubbles? Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, they've revamped the whole exam, right? I mean, taking a test on paper just looks different from how you would online. There's best practices for kind of like how to ask questions and also just the functionality of a computer software versus like the little bubbles. And so some of this condensing from three hours to two is just the style of the exam. It's just the way they're asking questions and and the way things flow. So absolutely, I think it's going to look and feel different. The students that I talked to who took the pilot exam in November, they also had taken paper SAT versions. And so they were able to compare for me. And a lot of students just felt that it felt better. It felt more comfortable. It was familiar. They took it on their own laptops. Things just felt streamlined. Like it didn't feel like uh, so much effort in like taking the exam. They were able to kind of navigate the questions much faster. Have you talked to any parents or educators who have an opinion on the change? Yeah. So I talked to a number of high school counselors and what they expressed to me is that going digital doesn't really change equity issues. It doesn't really change the role the SAT plays in high school students' lives. We've been hearing for a long time frustrations with standardized tests. I mean, and and we can talk about kind of colleges moving away from the test in the admissions process. That's certainly been happening pre-pandemic and certainly during the pandemic. But a lot of the high school counselors I talked to just said, this doesn't feel that different. This is kind of the way the tests were going. It doesn't mean they're going to be more equitable. It doesn't mean they're kind of like figuring out bias within questions or scores. A lot of the counselors I spoke to were kind of 
you know, this doesn't really solve the problems that we already had with the SAT. Well, let's talk a little bit more about those and, and about the idea that colleges are looking at standardized tests differently. Does the SAT going online really matter or is that shift away from it still coming or happening? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you a couple things that can shape this conversation. The first is that in the last decade, we've seen a number of highly selective colleges kind of give less significance to the test. So when I say that, I mean they're going test optional. So they're saying to students, you have the option to submit an exam if you want. And this was a movement we've been seeing for the past decade. I mean, there's schools like Bowdoin or um, George Washington who have done it way pre-pandemic. Then the pandemic happens and a lot of students can't actually take the SAT. They can't get, they can't do it in school. They can't get to test centers. And so during the pandemic, we saw a huge wave of more colleges say, if you can't take the SAT or the ACT, you know, another uh, college entrance exam, you could still apply. Um, I think as it stands right now, there's about 1,800 U.S. colleges that have fallen in this bucket for the next admission cycle, which will be in fall of 2022. So they're saying test optional, you don't have to submit a test. Okay, so that's happening at the same time that they're kind of a society we're reevaluating how helpful is this test in admissions? We saw just this fall, the University of California system, a huge system and actually really influential in kind of bringing the SAT test into admissions in the first place decades ago. This fall, they said, we're not gonna use this in our admissions process. A lot of schools feed from students in California. So a lot of colleges across the country are pulling in high school seniors from California. It's a huge state. So if you don't have to take the SAT to get into your state school system, that's got a lot of other colleges thinking, wait a second, are we gonna lose out on California students? So you're seeing kind of the ripple effect of that. So all this to say colleges are kind of letting the SAT and the ACT go by the wayside. I feel like it might be just worth making a comment that highly selective colleges make up about 2% of all U.S. institutions. Like a lot of people go to college at places where they don't have selective admissions. So sometimes I feel like when we get so into the SAT, we're not acknowledging the fact that many people go to college not having this conversation at all. <laughs> now that I've just laid all that out for you, Having talked to a lot of high school students, they see value in this test. Like I talked to a student the other day who told me it feels like a cherry on top. Just because colleges are going test optional, they're still taking the test. You, like you can still submit the test. It still has power. It can help your application. I think there's a mixed reaction, at least on the student level of those that I've talked to, of kind of like, yes, we're saying the test isn't as important because it's optional, does that mean the test is actually more powerful? Because if you take it and you get a good score, it could help you. It makes me wonder in the future, maybe when my kids are trying to go to college, and let's say the SAT just doesn't exist. What does the future of college admissions really look like? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, California is an interesting case study because they've actually gotten rid of the test. So we can start to see what other things they're looking at. And they are looking at grades they're looking at essays, they're looking at extracurricular activities. Um, you know, 
The challenge, I think, in terms of equity, which is always a, a, a big concern, is that our K-12 system is kind of, has a, a number of inequities. We have um, attainment gaps in, in grades. Which families, you know, the high school student is working after school versus which family is doing the clubs and the extracurriculars. In every aspect of the admissions process that's not a test, you can kind of find the, you know, racial and socioeconomic inequities throughout. I mean, so that's that's the fear. So without the test, you look at grades, you look at essays, you look at how rigorous high school classes are, you know, if you took those APs, if you took honors classes, that's what colleges are gonna look for if they don't look at the test. And then the challenge for colleges and for society is, how do I put people on an even playing field if that's not how it is across K-12? That's a great point. Alyssa, thanks for joining us. This has been educational. (laughs) Okay. This episode was produced by Victoria Dominguez and engineered by Christian Ayala. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.